Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Tonight I'll briefly be covering <coughs> excuse me, a few points from both just 16 and 17 because last night there was the event so there wasn't the, uh, the, the brief reminder in that regard. The, the one point that I want to pull and highlight from just 16 to start with inshallah is when you look at Surah Maryam, when you look at the, the beginning of the Surah, initially you have the story of Prophet Zechariah calling out to Allah, asking Allah essentially for this miracle to grant him a child. And his main concern was for the youth, for those to come after him. He was very deeply concerned for, because he was very old in age, his wife was very old in age, but he was so concerned for the next generation, and he recognized even though he's old in age, even though his wife is old in age, he still asked Allah Azza wa Jal for a child, and Allah granted him this incredible child, Prophet Yahya So this is the first story that we find, and then when you look at the passage after that regarding Sayyidah Maryam, the part that I want to specifically highlight, and I want to tie it in, with, according to some, it may be a taboo topic, but it really shouldn't be. When you look at the extremely challenging situation that she was in, she's pregnant. This is at the time of childbirth. She delivers a child on her own, on her own, subhanAllah. Just that alone is incredibly, incredibly difficult to go through. After that, and this is quoted within the surah, one of the things that she mentions, she says that I wish I had been dead long before this and I I wish I was long forgotten. I wish I was dead before this and I wish I was long forgotten. The taboo topic of mental health and mental health struggles and emotional health struggles and, and these types of things the taboo in connection with it unfortunately ends up preventing a lot of people in general, especially within the Muslim community, from seeking help and aid in that regard. Which is very unfortunate because there ends up being the, the, the trauma and the challenges, they end up multiplying if healing is not sought out. If steps are not taken to seek that healing, according to appropriate means. If somebody has a physical ailment, they're going to seek a physical cure. If someone has, if they're playing soccer, and God forbid, if someone breaks their leg, the immediate response, you don't go and tell them when, when their leg is broken in three different places, you know, brother, you need to read Qur'an because Qur'an is healing. There's no question Qur'an is healing. In that specific instance, the specific healing that is primarily needed is physical healing because it's a physical ailment. There's physical pain. Their leg is physically broken in a couple different places. What's immediately needed is for them to be rushed to urgent care so that pain can be dealt with. Because healing is needed in connection with that specific type of pain. In addition to that, while they're in urgent care while they're, you know, they're, they're going through that process, yes, 
there is, they're probably going, if they're connected with Qur'an already, they're probably going to feel healing and solace in reciting Qur'an to themselves, listening to Qur'an, right? Especially if they have some kind of surgery and then after that, that is going to be part of their healing process. But we need to understand that as human beings, there are many elements to us being whole and healthy. A very simple division of this pie chart, you have physical, you have mental, and you have spiritual. It's not only one, it's not only the other, it's not only the third, but all three of them are needed in connection with one another. When it comes to prayer, for example, it's not only something physical, there's also supposed to be another element of being present mentally as well as spiritually. And this is one of the, one of the beautiful and powerful things about prayer is that it, it intertwines all of these things together and their physical benefits and mental benefits and spiritual benefits. Prayer is primarily a spiritual thing, but it's not sufficient for someone to say, I pray in my heart. You also have to physically pray. A person can't say, I, I'm praying in my mind. You also have to physically pray. So when, when, when you look at this scene and think of who Sayyidah Maryam is, and for her to say something like that is a type and a source of validation for other people struggling with the sunken place emotionally and psychologically. There's a sense of validation that comes with it. How many people have been perhaps on the brink of suicide and they come across this ayah and this ayah saves their lives because they feel a sense of validation. They feel a sense of, 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 of comfort that I'm not the only one who's really, really struggling with simply existing right now. And if as righteous as she was, as incredible as she was, because of the, the, the pain in this situation, not only physically, but also the anxiety mentally. I have to go back to my people and I know how they are and how they're going to be with the baby. I'm not married. Th th think of the weight emotionally, emotionally that, that she's carrying at that time. And the, the story unfolds and she goes back to her people and, and you know, Prophet ﷺ, as a baby speaks and the first words out of his mouth, قَالَ إِنِّي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ but the point is, look at part of that story, and it's right there in the Qur'an. يَا لَيْتَنِي مِتُّ قَبْلَ هَذَا وَكُنْتُ نَسِيَ مَنْ It's right there. So there needs to be compassion, rahmah, kindness, love, mercy, and connection with different challenges, different issues related to mental health challenges, emotional health challenges, and the stigma related to counseling and therapy and all of that. Unfortunately, that gets in the way of a lot of people getting better and healing. And the ideal scenario is for someone, for a Muslim to speak with a, <clears throat> a practicing Muslim counselor. Because then they're going to they're have a deep, the ideal person would have a depth of understanding Islamically as well as in terms of psychology. So when they offer feedback, when they offer their services... It's not only one, it's not only the other, but there's a healthy, a healthy blend of the two. And these services do exist out there. And there's a lot of good that comes from them. That's the point that I want to mention regarding just 16. In just 17, the, the, the ayah that I want to briefly touch upon 
it ties in with a lot of questions that, that a lot of youth have nowadays. How do we understand and balance you know, different things between Islam and science, between Qur'an and science? The first and foremost point that we need to understand regarding the Qur'an is that the nature of it is that it's not a book of science. The nature of the Qur'an is that it's a book of guidance. That is the primary reason why it was sent. It's a book of guidance. Within it, there may be some elements of science here and there, and, and it ties in with this ayah, but we need to understand that people may think that, okay, let's leave religion to the side. I'm only going to trust science because science doesn't change. Science is changing all the time. Discoveries are being made all the time. Once upon a time, a lot of people thought that, you know, the, 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 the earth was not moving and the sun was rotating around it. There's a geocentric model and then it was adjusted to a heliocentric model that actually the earth is revolving around the sun and, you know, different issues historically related to that. The Qur'an is primarily a book of guidance. When a person has the understanding and they hit the refresh button for their niyyah, for their intention, then when they come across this type of ayah, they see it with lenses that are primarily of guidance, and then secondarily of science. And yes, there, there may be amazing things within the Qur'an, and there are. The development of the child in the womb of the mother. It's simply impossible to know that, especially at that time, except for the Prophet ﷺ receiving this as revelation from Allah Azza wa Jal. Otherwise, it's simply impossible to know that detailed information at that time. Even then, the Qur'an is primarily a book of guidance, and then everything else falls in line after that. The one ayah that I want to touch upon from Surah Al-Anbiya, Allah mentions, do those who disbelieve, do those who reject the truth, Allah mentions, do those who disbelieve, do they not see? Do they not see that at one point in time, the heavens and the earth were basically combined, they were a cluster, you could say, and then Allah caused them to burst forth, to burst apart. Will they not believe? And, and we made from water every living thing, will they not believe? Again, the Qur'an is primarily a book of guidance. And now there's uh, Mufti Taqi Osmani and others offer this explanation. Perhaps this is in connection with the Big Bang Theory. Allah knows best. If it is, subhanAllah, how amazing is that? Now what happens if 10 years from now there's this new discovery, scientifically speaking, that actually we thought the Big Bang was the truth, but it turns out that's not the case. For example... That doesn't shake our faith in this ayah because the Qur'an is primarily a book of guidance. And then if the scientific theory happens to change, okay, let's learn more about that and explore. But my iman is still solid regarding, regarding this ayah. Regarding this ayah. So when we approach the Qur'an with lenses, with intentions of guidance, then we're going to drink healthily from that spring. And then if there are other issues that come up, okay, those can be explored and navigated and, you know, that, that can be figured out. But so long as the primary intention regarding this book is to approach it as guidance in terms of where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Let me square that away first. Everything else can be figured out in between, but the Qur'an gives us 
this powerful sense of purpose, a very powerful sense of purpose, and it threatens these new waves and, you know, regarding materialism, because when a person is grounded in purpose, they're not as connected to materialism. They may have material things, but that's not the main reason why they exist, to keep up with the Joneses. That's, that, that's not the intention. Because the Muslim is grounded in faith, is grounded in purpose. I know where I came from, I know why I'm here, and I know what's coming, and I hope to go one place and not the other, but I need to put in work in the meantime. My purpose is far deeper than getting the newest phone or laptop or whatever. There's nothing wrong with getting a new phone or a laptop or whatever, as long as it's within your means, but that's not my purpose. My purpose is to try to follow the guidance that Allah gave us in the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet We ask Allah to increase all of us in guidance. We ask Allah to keep our hearts united, unified, and connected. We ask Allah to guide us down the straight path and to guide and protect the faith of our youth for generations to come. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. Wa salamun al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.